Welcome to Rich Conversations. Something that's been on my mind lately is expectations. Expectations are what we believe will happen, the likeliness, the probability of outcome. And we can apply expectations to almost everything in our lives, our dreams, friendships, romantic relationships, our jobs, our industries, and our governments. And usually, you get what you expect. As an American, I expect the best. In our founding doctrine, the Declaration of Independence, we wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. People come to America to achieve their dreams, and realizing dreams requires a lot of work. If you talk to people from other countries, and even inside this country, the rap on us is that we work too much. That's what it takes to realize our best lives. We have to work for it. I expect the United States to have the best standard of living. I expect us to win the most gold medals at the Olympics. I expect us to have the most innovative ideas and the technology in the world. I expect us to have the best health care and lead the world in solving a global pandemic. I expect us to have the best education. I expect us to be the best at just about everything. And to me, that starts with myself. I have to have high expectations for myself. And I understand that in order to meet those high expectations, I have to work for it. I want to live my best life possible. And I'm very lucky that I was born in a country whose mission it is for people to be free to pursue their best lives. The trade-off is the work it takes to meet those expectations. And if I'm not willing to take that trade-off, I should probably emigrate to another country where life would be easier. Maybe one of those uh, European countries where they just, they just stop working in the middle of the day. I mean, what is that, right? There are plenty of people willing to take my place here. So best not take up space. Because I believe expectations start on a personal level, I have three stories to share with you about it on, on friendship and dating levels. And from this, you'll see how our individual expectations and actions can affect what happens eventually on a national level. So the first story is from two weeks ago when I met up with a friend at the Art Institute. She's a very smart and ambitious woman, but she lives in the suburbs. So I'm trying to recruit her to come live in the city because I want these types of people to live closer to me, but also Chicago benefits from having more people like this in the city. And so afterwards, she gave me a ride um, up north to my neighborhood uptown. And I, I live right off of Asia on Argyle, which is a, a Vietnamese neighborhood, like within a bigger neighborhood. And so we got some Vietnamese food. And Uptown is, is so interesting because there's so many different kinds of people. 10 years ago, I lived homeless in Uptown and it was completely different than it is now. And, and I think about that all the time. And when I go on walks, I'll just casually pass the laundromat where, where people used to talk about shootings all the time. And, 
it makes me think, well, that's, well, that's a whole separate issue. <laughs> but so I'm trying to show her real city life. So she, she's, so she starts to get ideas in her head of moving here. And there's so much snow on the streets and the sidewalks. There's just like this narrow pass to walk. And it's like 20 degrees. And uh, as we're walking to the restaurant, there's this lady with, with no coat and her shirt just comes up like midriff. And she's walking in the middle of the street and she's yelling at this old Asian guy who's just who just passed us by. And you should have seen her face like, oh my God, what is this? After we ate, she wanted to get my opinion on this text exchange she was having with somebody. Apparently she had like a date with, with a guy in the morning and they scheduled like a workout date at 7.30 a.m. She said she's not a morning person. She couldn't get up at the time. And I told her, that's a red flag on her. Like you committed to something and at that time and you didn't show up. You were also 48 minutes late to meet up with me at the Art Institute. Uh, you know, but I was, I was driving from the suburbs and no, 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 no. No one wants to hear excuses. You were late and that's a fact and it's not a good look. It shows that you're, you're unreliable and not considerate of other people's time. And time is the most valuable thing I have. She agreed to go on this date that early in the morning because he's studying to be a lawyer and his schedule is really busy. Leave it to lawyers, I have the worst date ideas, right? So then together, we, we texted back to him and I expressed to her that if someone isn't willing to be more flexible to find time to get to know you, it demonstrates that he's not serious about it or, or believes his time is more valuable than yours. Either way, it's a red flag on him. Relationships are about compromise and they're about working together to create something that works for both of you, that enhances uh, life for both parties. So dissecting their conversation, I noticed he texted and then he sent a separate passive aggressive text. And I, I told her, look at the timestamps here. They were more than 15 minutes apart. Aha. So this is a huge red flag. He said something aimed to make her feel guilty. It was kind of like, like an ultimatum. He was trying to make her feel bad for not adhering to his wants. What women often don't understand about men is that men don't want to be rejected. Within societal like dating procedure, men are the ones who have to ask a woman out. They don't wanna do it unless they're sure they won't get rejected. Men are prideful. So passive aggressive text, it was intended to save his ego. What her and I talked about after this was, was raising her expectations when it comes to dating. Stand your ground. This dating is a, a two-way street and it, it takes two to make it work, right? Don't just give in to the other person because you like the idea of this person that you built in your head, you know, which isn't based on reality or actual experience with the person. Be objective about the signals that you're receiving. The reason men can act this way is because women let them. What I don't understand is why women don't set higher expectations for themselves. You will be treated how you let others treat you. The second story is about friendship. An acquaintance reached out to me late fall on Instagram. She wanted to meet up for coffee. Now, now when this type of stuff happens, I understand that the other person wants something and, and that's not good or bad. It just is, right? 
So I'm curious what it is. I'm open to meeting new people and forming new friendships. We met up twice and she texted me that she has feelings for me. So after I received that text, I completely cut her off from communication over the past month. Let me elaborate on how I got to that decision. She bought my books and art, which got my attention. I also know that she was doing this to get my attention. The book she bought first was Primary Ponderings. And Primary Ponderings, it's, it's an art slash philosophy slash like self-help book, whatever you want it to be. And I know that she's had some challenges in the past with, with mental health and she's, she's trying to work on it. She said that she, she's better than before. So what I think she wants is my help. And I can help. Anyone who wants to transform their life, I can help you. I've transformed my own life within the past three years, but you have to do what I say and what I do. And the, the work has to happen. You know, you can, you can want to change your life, transform your life, but you gotta put in the work. And it's a very painful process that you have to go through. She never has explicitly asked for my help. So in between the first time and the next time, she bought my other books and art. I appreciate the support. Here's where expectations come in. I have very high expectations for my life. Every day, I am working on making my dreams a reality and I'm, I'm living my dreams. I hold my friends to high expectations as well. They're going after their dreams and, and they're working hard. Whatever you choose to do with in your life, do it the best you can and, and put your full effort towards it. Because of this, I don't text people regularly. I hate it. And my friends know this too. Like, it's a distraction. I'm trying to work on my dreams here. And if you're my friend, you're my friend for life. You don't have to check in with me every day, every week to, to validate the friendship, you know? We don't need to check in on each other. Let's just coordinate a time. And then whenever it may be in the future, when we meet each other in person, we're just gonna enjoy each other's company. It's gonna be a very rewarding experience because we trust that each of us are on a positive trajectory in our lives, putting in the work, going after our dreams. And when we get together, we're talking about how life is so much better now than the last time, right? Uh, we have high expectations. During these two meetups with this individual, I'm not convinced I wanna be friends with this person. A skill that I've developed while bartending in Chicago is listening to the language people use. Word choice is very important. Your word matters. Don't say what you don't mean, right? I'm also paying attention to body language. You know, are you, are you slouching? Are you mumbling? Are you avoiding eye contact? You know, are you smiling? Are you using gestures? Are you using a variety of inflections on your voice? You see why I hate texting? Like the information I receive is so limiting that it's not useful to me. One of the biggest things I pay attention to in conversations is negative language. Do they use if or when when talking about their life? Because there's a massive difference that reveals their mindset. Are they living life or are they allowing external things to live them? Drama finds this individual, whether it's, it's in her family, job, or a random person that lives in her building. These are all red flags to me. If drama finds someone in multiple situations, this is a pattern. And she's telling me these things because she wants my sympathy. And knowing I'm a nice person, 
she'll play on my feelings of guilt to help her and, and to get what she wants. And I'm very aware of this. I'm also aware of this because I can reflect on times where I allowed drama to exist in, in my own life. Like say, back in, back in early 2018, I had knee pain. And I went through a round of physical therapy and I, it didn't really heal. You know, there, there's got to be something, something deeper that's wrong, you know. And I wanted my insurance company to pay for an MRI on it. So I'd, I'd go back home and, and I would mention the drama of the insurance company not willing to help. So, I'm, so I still have knee pain. No. My injury didn't heal because I didn't commit to doing the assigned exercise and putting in the maximum effort to get the results I desired. I chose to blame my problem on something external. And the world is not conspiring against me or anyone. Stay away from people who drain your energy. People's energy levels can become toxic because they have low expectations for themselves and life. They don't realize that life doesn't have to be that way. You can change it, but it takes work. So when she texted me that she had feelings for me, I thought it was ridiculous. I didn't even know if I wanted to be friends with this person. You think you know me enough after like two two-hour meetups to, to like someone? This is something I find more and more common in the dating world. People like the idea of someone, so they project that idea onto the other person instead of being objective. People just want to rush into a relationship because they think they'll be happy once they're in a relationship or, or with that person, but they don't take the time to truly get to know somebody, that person. What's the rush? Why are we in such a hurry? People love the idea of the outcome or the dream, but they're not willing to commit to the work that it takes to get there. Transforming one's life is the hardest thing to do. It's so painful. And people only see the results, but not the process. You have to learn to love the process. This third and last story is an example of expectations in the dating realm. Back in the fall, I moved into a new place after spending the last seven years at my previous spot. Almost all of September, I felt depressed. It was really strange. It was, I think it was having to, to start at just like zero again. You know, over the last seven years, I created patterns and routines and, and life was very efficient, you know? And I was both invigorated and depressed by the fresh start. I reinstalled the dating apps Bumble and Tinder on my phone. I had been on dating apps before. They distracted me and they made me feel depressed and it wasn't healthy. I'm at a low if I'm on them. And, and maybe it's just these two, I don't know. Some people have great experiences and, and have relationships, but that's not the point at all. It's just my opinion. So I met up with a girl at a coffee shop. This is late summer and it was, it was hot. And so we, we met on the outside patio and I remember there was a time during uh, working at the bar during COVID where I heard someone say, I can't believe people are going out and going out on dates. Bro, you're in a relationship. Must be nice to be with somebody when, when the city just shuts everything down and demands that you not go anywhere. That's awfully convenient. Meanwhile, loneliness is killing people. Anyways, so in this woman's bio, she indicated she's a feminist. No problem. The reason I decided to meet up with her was because she indicated she's a writer. Cool, so am I. I'd love to know about your process and, and what you'd like to write about. So we're making small talk. Imagine if you're not single, the topics of a first date during COVID. 
she's talking about how, you know, the world's burning and she's all worked up about the upcoming election. She mentioned she mentions how she doesn't get along with her dad because of his political views. She puts down her hometown because their views don't match up with hers either. And I asked if she's ever like tried listening to why they believe what they believe. And she said she doesn't. Again, all this negativity, all this drama, all this focusing on external things affecting your mental health. I asked her about writing, but she answered more about what she would like to write about, the ideas that she has. It wasn't until after the date where I Googled her, because you can't sometimes get the full names of people on these apps unless, unless they add it in their bio. And I found her blog. She hadn't written in two years. You can't call yourself a writer if you don't write. Writers write. She works as, as like a sales or account manager for a financial transaction company, something of that nature. I asked her questions about life, what she wants to do with her life, how she thinks she can live a better life. And she has a hard time answering them. She's kind of fumbling over her words. And this is something that I've noticed, especially over the past year. People who use a social grouping to identify themselves to the world do not know who they are. Political party, race, religion, gender, these identities or labels are not substitutes for personalities. If, if these are the most interesting things about you, you're not an interesting person. Sure, they can shape us, but, but they don't determine our self-worth. If you put a label on yourself, you're putting yourself in a box and, and it creates limits. But it is a lot easier to use these identities because it doesn't require you to think deep about your life and its meaning. You're assigned meaning, you're given kind of like marching orders and a community of support. It's, it's awfully convenient. It's just like, here's your life, this is what you do, here's your uniform, blah, blah, blah. But when you're on a date and you can't answer basic questions about what you want from life, it's not attractive. It's not attractive if you're always talking about some opposition, an enemy. I wanna know your interests. I wanna know your hobbies, you know, which, which should not be watching the latest movies or TV shows. What do you aspire for? What are your goals? What do you bring to the table? What would you bring to a potential relationship? Relationships require collaboration and compromise. And you need to commit to each other to become kind of one. So that, so that you can be flexible and you can, you can help each other reach your goals. Relationships take work. You can't expect a potential partner to be attracted to you if you're not willing to put in the work to be an attractive partner. You need to set high expectations for yourself and work to meet those. So during this date, this black dude overhears our conversation and he, he walks over to us and asks to be a part of it. And we're like, sure. And this stuff happens more than you think. People like deep conversations, which is why you're listening to this podcast right now. And he talked about his, his spiritual transformation and, and using it for good in affecting the lives of others. He mentioned, he mentioned books that, that I've also read. So we're kind of like bantering back and forth about these books. Of course, I recommended Sacred Hoops, one of my favorite, about the, the, the bulls in the 90s and Phil Jackson and his philosophy. And so, so we're, ch we're chatting back and forth about these things. And uh, he's a Christian rapper. This guy's interesting. He's more interesting than my date. 
So when he's talking about his childhood and, and the neighborhood that he grew up in the city and it kind of being run down and dangerous, I can tell she's uncomfortable. Her body language becomes really rigid, you know, and, and, and she's just nodding and agreeing and sympathizing with everything he says. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like she's, it's like she's trying to do and say what she thinks she's supposed to do and say to a black person. And rather than just communicating with the person right next to you, right, getting to know this person, it's, it's like a script she's trying to memorize and perform. It looks exhausting. Just, just be yourself. Just be the person you are. And this whole thing, the whole thing was kind of off-putting. And so then afterwards, I just texted her, thanks for the conversation today. And, and that was it. So what did we learn this episode? The expectations we have of ourselves affects other people and their experience. It affects how we interact with the world. And we must work hard to meet our high expectations. Again, our Declaration of Independence states, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We should continue to work to ensure that all of our citizens are treated equally because we need all of our citizens to be able to seize the opportunity that we have in our country. We need all hands on deck for the challenges that are to come in the 21st century and beyond. And we all benefit from each individual actively pursuing their dreams and working to realize their potential. So let's not settle for low expectations. We want the best. And that requires us to collectively raise our expectations.